Have you ever sat down to do some wedding planning and thought, I have no idea what we should do first? Or worse, you have so many things to do, you spiral because you know you need to do everything, but you can't decide which is important, so you end up not doing anything? In today's episode, I'm going to walk you through the 10 main steps you should be taking to plan your wedding from start to finish. You're going to get clarity on what you should do first and what can wait and feel so much better about what's left on your plate. So let's get to it. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Hey guys, it's Desiree. Before we get to today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to give a quick shout out to two awesome wedding registries that my couples love. The first is Zola. Zola is the next generation of wedding registry, combining gifts, experiences, and cash funds in one place. One of the things I love about Zola is that they seamlessly link your wedding website and registry, making it super easy for your guests to shop and learn about your wedding at the same time. Also, after you set up your registry on Zola, they'll hold your gifts until you're ready to receive them. Maybe you live in the city in a small condo and don't have a ton of extra space like we did, or you're in the process of buying a home and you don't want to move all of those gifts from your current home. Whatever it is, Zola won't send your packages until you're ready for them. And if you change your mind and don't need the gift, they make it super easy to get store credit and the gift giver will never know. No more driving to the store to get gift cards you'll forget to use. Zola also makes group gifting super easy for bigger ticket items. Finally, they'll give you 20% off any remaining gifts on your registry for six months after you say I do. This is way more than most other stores who only let you use this kind of discount once. Zola lets you use it multiple times for six months. To start building your wedding website and registry, visit verbeventco.com backslash Zola. The next registry my couples love is HoneyFund. HoneyFund helps couples realize their wedding and honeymoon dreams by allowing guests to contribute money towards once-in-a-lifetime experiences, down payments for your first home, and even your favorite charities, which I think is awesome. Guys, I say this all the time, but life is too short to waste it on moments without meaning. What better way to begin your life together as a newly married couple and the end of the pandemic than with the most amazing trip ever? Our honeymoon in Italy is still one of our favorite experiences, and we've been married for almost 12 years. To get inspired and check out the most sought-after honeymoon destinations, visit verbevenco.com backslash honeyfund. And now, on with today's episode. Hey guys, I'm so excited to talk about today's topic because if you've been around a while, you know I'm really into organization and planning and having a process and a timeline. So whether you're newly engaged, best wishes by the way, 
or you've been engaged for a while and you were taking it easy, but then you realize that your wedding is going to take place this year as opposed to, oh, it's fine. Our wedding is next year, so we have lots of time. This episode is going to be great. It's going to get you organized and give you a clear picture of what to do in the coming months. The episode is great for couples who are type A and love getting organized, but you're just not sure what you're actually organizing. It's also good for people who aren't as OCD as me, but just want a broad overview of what to expect each month in the next year as you plan your wedding. I want you to be able to know what's coming up so that you have a clear path of what you're going to accomplish, which is going to save you so much time and make planning your wedding so much more fun and enjoyable because you're actually going to know what to expect. When you don't know what to do next, you're going to find yourself going down rabbit holes and thinking that you should... Should we look for a photographer next or hire the band? Oh, what about save the date? Should we do that first? Should we get a stationer? I don't know about you, but when I do anything that takes more than one step, I usually have a process or an outline or even just a list of what I'm going to do. It can be something super simple like using my Alexa to track my shopping list or something really complicated like planning my client's weddings. Guys, if you have an Alexa, you should definitely use that list feature. I use it all the time. I'll just say, Alexa, add apples to my shopping list. And then when I'm at the store, I just go down the list of everything that Alexa has has added, which is so helpful and saves so much time. Anyways, I'm going to give you in this episode a brief summary of what to expect in the coming months and a general order for what you should be doing and when. It's going to give... Um, I'm going to keep things pretty simple as wedding planning is kind of flexible, but there's also a pretty established order of doing things. And so it's going to make it easier for you guys to follow and understand. So let's get to it. Okay. Step number one, set a budget. I know this is probably not one of the first things that you want to do when you think of your wedding, but I promise you it's really important. Whether you and your fiance are paying for it or if you guys are splitting it with your parents or they are paying for it or some you know you have a rich aunt that's going to pay for it it's super important to you that you have a realistic ballpark in mind of how much you're going to spend and i feel like budget kind of got a dirty connotation cuz it's like oh it's a, it's a budget budget could be a million dollars or a budget could be a thousand dollars it's just a set limit on what you're going to spend So let's get that out of the way. Um, But having a budget range is going to help you figure out later down the road when you're trying to decide between things, use of your money or not. It's going to help you decide between venue A and venue B or the types of centerpieces that you want or whatever. If you need help putting together your budget, I have a free wedding budget template bundle on my website. It's called Wedding Budget Bundle and it is at verveventco.com backslash wedding budget bundle and I'll link to it also in the show notes. All right. So that is step one is figuring out and talking about your wedding budget. Step two is talking about your guest list. Once you have your budget discussion, you're going to talk about your guest count because they kind of go hand in hand. The more guests you have, the more budget you're going to have to spend. Or if you have a smaller budget, you're just going to have to spend less per person. 
but you don't need the whole list. Figure it out right now since you're still early in the wedding planning process, but you definitely need a realistic idea of how many people are to come. That means talking to your partner about who they're going to invite, talking to your parents who they're going to invite, talking to their parents, your partner's parents who they're going to invite. And you need to be really realistic about this because sometimes people are like, oh, we have, you know, just some fans and family and whatever. And then it ends up being 30 people. And that's a lot. Take that, you know, multiply that times four people. That's, you know, 120 unexpected people that you didn't think were going to be invited. Now, not all of them might come, but it's still, they could come. And you don't know that. And I don't want you down the road thinking, God, I hope all these people don't come because you invited them. Plus, it's just going to make you spend more money that you might be spending somewhere else, like on your invitations or your linens or whatever. So it's a good thing to have in mind. Some venues also are a better fit for a certain number of guest count. So for example, some venues will feel cavernous if your guest count is too small, while others just won't have enough space if say you have 200 guests that you're inviting, but they can only accommodate 150. So definitely having an idea of what your guest count is very important. I also have a guest list template on my website as well. So I'll link to that in the show notes. I think it's foreveventco.com backslash wedding guest list. All right. Next, so you've done your budget and your guest list. Step number three is to figure out your style. And this is one of the things that most couples struggle with because there are just so many options out there. One thing I like to do with my couples is to ask them some words that they would use to describe their wedding style. I give them a whole list and they basically check off what they think matches them. So they can say elegant, unique, quirky, refined, chic, Boho, colorful, classic, outdoors, casual, relaxed, formal. I mean, there's so many lists and ob- adjectives and that you could use to describe it. But I think having this list is going to help you kind of pare down and talk to your future spouse what kind of wedding you guys are actually planning. Sometimes some couples are on the same page and they both want the same wedding. Sometimes some couples are on different pages and they want different things. So figuring out a way to marry those two things, ha marry, <laughs> is really important. Also think about if your parents or somebody else is helping pay for it, what they're envisioning too. So, so yes, that's super, super helpful. Also, what time of year do you both want to get married? Do you want a spring wedding or a fall wedding? Maybe you love colder months and you want a winter wedding, or maybe you both have specific work or school obligations that mean you can only get married during a certain time of the year because you won't be studying for the bar, you won't have a medical exam that you're you're taking or you're finishing up your residency at a certain time, or maybe you're a CPA and you want to take all of May off just to recover from tax season. I mean, there's lots of different things. So thinking about the style and the time of year that you want to get married kind of go hand in hand. And then you can also, thinking that also kind of goes into figuring out your date as well, or at least a date range, which I think is super important. So once you've done those things, the next step, which is step four, is to hire or talk to at least some wedding planners. I know (laughs) I have to say this because I am a wedding planner, but I firmly believe that there is a wedding planner for every couple budget and style. 
it's important to talk to wedding planners early in the process so that they can actually help you throughout your planning process as opposed to just at the very end when you're stressed out and dying and you feel like you're drowning. Wedding planners are also masters at putting together budgets and will be familiar with the venue vetting process, which I'm going to get to in step five. It's really going to make the rest of your planning process a lot more enjoyable if you have someone or you have someone who has tools that you can use. And even just having an idea of what kind of support you're going to have for your wedding is going to be helpful as you're doing your planning. If you have someone for full service, obviously that's going to be one experience. And if you have something for wedding management or a month of coordination, that's going to be another experience. But just getting them booked and reserved earlier in the process is going to be so much more helpful for you. Just to tell you guys about what I do. I have full service clients and wedding management clients. So they're two different types. My full service clients I work with throughout the whole wedding planning process. I basically guide them step by step every you know day along the way. They never have to worry about anything. They don't have to think about what do I do next or which vendor should we work with or what are we going to be doing next month because I've narrowed it down for them and I've made it super simple and I've made the criteria, you know, I've, I've been given criteria by them to figure out which vendors are the best fit, which venues are the best fit. So I kind of have an idea of what's going to be a good fit for them and as far as their style and their budget and everything down the road. So that's one process. And then I have wedding management clients who do a lot more of the work, but I still am guiding them throughout the planning process. They're doing the lead on the planning, but they're utilizing my suite of tools throughout the process to make it easier. We have check-in calls to ensure that they have what they need. They don't have questions and they've gotten stuck somewhere. So it really just depends on what kind of experience you want as a couple, how you want to enjoy your wedding planning experience. I mean, some couples really like the hands-on and want to do everything. Sometimes they don't have, you know, they're not able to let go of that, relinquish that control. So that's something to keep in mind. But also, you know, you have to think about what your limitations are as far as your schedule and how busy you are because wedding planning does take a long time. So anyways, have that conversation, figure out um, if you're going to have help on the wedding day, which I highly recommend. Don't look for day of wedding planner because it doesn't exist. That's just my soapbox. Anyways, moving on. Okay, on to step five, choosing a venue. Yes, now you can finally choose your wedding venue. And only now do you want to think about your wedding venue because you've done a lot of the legwork up front that's going to help you with your wedding venue process because you thought about your budget, your guest list and style and hired a wedding planner or at least, you know, thought about who you're going to work with. It's going to make the venue search a lot easier because you're going to be able to cross some options off the list very quickly. I'm not going to go too in-depth on how to choose a venue because that's a whole other episode. Message me on um, Instagram if you want some specifics because it's a whole other topic. But I, And I go pretty extensively into it in my blog post, which I'm going to link to in the show notes. It's called Six Steps to Your Perfect Wedding Venue, which is at com backslash venue shopping. And I also mentioned some other resources in my previous episode, which is episode 11, um, which you can find at com backslash 11. So anyways, step five is choosing your wedding venue. All right. Step six, put together a rough timeline of the day. 
So now that you know where you are going to be because you have your wedding venue, it's time to start putting together a timeline for your wedding day. It doesn't have to be complete yet as you're just getting started with your planning, but it does help to start plugging in the main events like what time your ceremony is going to be, your reception start time, etc. You might also have a firm end time from the venue so you can plug that in so you're going to know what time the DJ or the band has to stop playing for sure. If you want more help on putting together your wedding day timeline you can check out my post how to put together a smooth wedding day timeline at verveventco.com backslash wedding timeline i'll link to it in the show notes i like doing the timeline early in the process so when you are trying to book your photographer for for example they're going to ask you well how many hours do you need my services for so i can quote you the proper price and then you say i don't really know and then they'll say okay so what time is your ceremony how far is it from the venue? What time is your reception? When does it end? You know, so figuring out that kind of stuff ahead of time is going to help you as you're booking your other vendors. I also like to break up the timeline into shorter timelines, so into shorter segments. So I have one for getting ready. I have one for the ceremony. I have one for the reception. I'll, whether whether it makes sense, I'll put in there something for the transportation so that we know, you know, when the buses are arriving, etc. But for now, you can just start with having a general timeline of these main points and then breaking them up into smaller timelines if you need to. And then once you start working through your other plans with your vendors, you'll be able to fill in the missing holes that you are looking that you're trying to fill. All right, so let's review quickly what we've talked about so far before we keep going. So step one was to set your budget. Step two was to discuss your guest list. Step three, choose a wedding style. Step four, hire or at least talk to your wedding planners. Step five, choose your venue. Step six, put together your wedding day of timeline. Okay, now we're on to step seven, which is picking your vendors. I'm not gonna go deep into every single vendor when you should do them because again, that's like a whole other episode. But now that you have your venue and an idea of your timeline, now you can work down your list of vendors and start hiring them. Some of this will depend on which ones are your priority or your partner's priority. Some couples pick a caterer first if the venue, for example, doesn't have a caterer or they don't have an exclusive relationship with a caterer. Also, your venue is a great place for recommendations if you don't have a planner because they'll have a list of recommended professionals that they can provide that they have liked working with or know the space really well. Sometimes it's a list of vendors that have been there for many, you know, many weddings, but sometimes it's also vendors that only pay or that can pay to be on the list. So I just want to put that out there. I don't ever pay to be on anybody's list. I think that's silly, <laughs> but that is an, that is something that some people do. So just make sure that you're asking, you know, what is this made up of? But usually you're going to pick your vendors in this order. So you're going to start with your photographer or videographer, probably. A lot of people choose this because they have their photographers have specific styles and the really good ones get booked up really quickly. Next, you can pick your band or DJ. Having a conversation about whether you're going to have the band or DJ is very important and you want to do that near the beginning because obviously a band is going to be a lot more expensive than a DJ. So that's just something to think about because you're going to make room for a band if that's your choice as opposed to a DJ, which is going to be a little bit more affordable. Next is your caterer. Next, you'll do, after the caterer, probably hair and makeup. Some artists do both of these, or they have a team that does both of these. Some people are just solo and just do one or the other, and they focus on that. Also, they're a good person to ask if they only do one of them, who they recommend or who they work well with. 
Next, you can do your florist and your decor. Flowers are big. Usually they're around like the six to seven to eight month out range. But again, there's some flexibility here. Some florists provide decor. Some florists provide rentals. It just depends. The next thing that I was going to mention actually is your rentals. The rentals would be your tent, china, glassware, linens, flatware, anything that you are going to be renting. A lot of it is decor related, but stuff that you're renting that you're not going to be buying and, you know, in keeping. Your florist, for example, a lot of times, you know, you're paying for those centerpieces, but those vessels that they're using, you're renting them. You're probably not going to want to keep all of the vessels, so just keep that in mind. But some of them, you know, provide both of them. So it's just something to think about. And next after the rentals would be your transportation. You probably, if you're having your ceremony at the same place as your wedding venue, you might be able to get away with not having transportation or you can just have transportation in the beginning for the wedding party or just at the end for guests to go home. It all depends. It depends on where your venues are, how far apart they are, and then also if your lodging is nearby or not. Next, after that, around six months out is when you would be doing your cake baker and your desserts. Some bakers are able to get booked out a year out, the really, really popular ones. But some bakers won't even talk to couples, new couples, until six months out because a lot of stuff needs to be figured out before they start working with the couple. So it just depends. Just something to think about. And then also your stationer. If you want your stationer to design your save the date as well, you're going to want to hire them earlier in the process so that your everything is cohesive because generally you would send your save the dates about six months out from your wedding dates. So you'll have designed them before then. If you're going to do something like minted, you can go to foreveventcoat.com backslash minted. And I have some coupons on my website. So you can get 35% off, I believe, save the dates and 25% off stationery for your wedding. But yes, you know, so you'll go through and hire all of your vendors and at about the same time, you're going to talk through your ceremony, which is step number eight. So for step number eight, you are talking about your ceremony and you can also talk about your ceremony and think through this, the details of it earlier in the process as you are selecting your wedding vendors. But I wanted to make sure I give this its own number because you would be surprised how many people leave this to the last minute. And that's the whole reason we're getting married, right? Is to to have the wedding ceremony. So if you're getting married at a church, you'll also need to confirm that at the same time as your wedding venue to kind of make sure their times are matching up and they're both available on the same date. If you're getting married at the reception venue, you'll still need to choose a wedding officiant. So whether it's you hire a professional wedding officiant or you have a friend or family member officiate, the pros of having a professional do it is they'll guide you through the process and they'll be able to tailor the ceremony to you guys. They'll probably have some worksheets you can fill out. They'll also be good public speakers that are used to addressing a group. So that's something to think about because they'll be polished. They're going to be used to using a microphone. You know, They're going to move the ceremony along. However, if you have a friend or family member do it, that's completely fine. They'll have a sentimental significance, which I think is really nice and special. And that might be more important for you, but they might be less used to public speaking. If you can get a family member that is used to public speaking and likes that kind of stuff, then I think you're killing two birds with one stone. So that's just something to think about. Also, though, if you're having a family member do it, you're going to have to walk through it with them and hold their hand more. So that's just something to think about. All right. So number nine, we have step number nine is send out invitations and start your seating. So we're getting closer to your wedding. So 
usually you're going to send your invitations six to eight weeks out before the wedding. So you want them landing in your guest mailboxes around six to eight weeks before the wedding. So it gives them time to look at them, you know, respond on your website or send send back the RSVP card and give you time to do your seating. This assumes that you've already sent out save the dates, obviously. If you haven't sent out your save the dates because you decided to wait or not do them, then you should send your invitations out closer to 10 to 12 weeks in advance of your wedding. If you have guests that are traveling from a greater distance, this time frame is also good because it gives guests time to plan, figure out the transportation, etc., book their lodging, etc. So once your invitations are out, you can start thinking about your seating. So seating, when I say seating, it refers to assigning guests to the tables where they will be eating dinner. You're probably going to be used to this, but you've never really thought how people end up where they need to go. So this would also be the step that you assign them to a specific seat or chair if you want certain people to sit next to one another at the wedding. This would require place cards that are set at each seat. So if you're just assigning people to a table and not a seat, you'll need to do escort cards. Escort cards, escort, meaning they you know, kind of guide guests to their table. Generally, couples do escort cards for everyone and place cards at a few tables, but it's up to you. Place cards tell people, this is your specific seat. This is the china you're gonna be eating off of, if that makes sense. You can use a spreadsheet to assign seats, but I highly recommend a free website called Social Tables to do your seating. I've used it for like 10 years. I used it when we were planning thousand person galas and it's just so much easier to assign seating because you can move people around, you can drag and drop them. It's so, so nice and also works with your floor plan. My couples don't have any issues with it and you can use it for free. The other option that you could use is all seated, but I always had issues with all seated so I can't always tell couples like, yes, you should use it because I just always have issues with their website being slow and it lagging and I just hate it. Some venues only use all seated, like they'll have their floor plan already saved and you can upload it from the all seated database. So that's something to think about, but you can also recreate it. And I like it. I like social tables and all seated, but I prefer social tables. I like them because it's to scale. You can tell it what measurements to use. You actually know when you're putting your tables together, this is how far apart they're going to be in the space that you're actually going to be in. So that's one thing that I love. And you could also use just a normal Excel spreadsheet um, if that's easier for you. But it's definitely very important to have something that's going to help you organize things. What we used to use like a long time ago, we would use paper plates and post-its. So basically we would have a post-it note with every person's name. And then like this, if you're like your parents are going to help you with it and you would have a paper plate be the table. So you have all of your plates <laughs> organized and then you just move the post-its around with every person's name. That's a really, really old fashioned way. But hey, whatever works for you and helps you get through it. But then you're still gonna have to put them in some kind of list so that you can give it to your caterer and your planner so that they know where everyone is seated, which is why I recommend social tables. Okay, so that was step number nine. Now we're on step number 10, which is getting ready and last minute preparation. So this is the final stretch because you're close to your wedding date. You're in the home stretch, which is so exciting, but it can also be a little scary for some people. So now is the time to take stock of everything that you've done and figure out what you have left to do. Maybe you have some projects you wanted to do for the wedding. So this is the time to decide if they're worth it. Do you still need to do it? Or maybe you should just choose choose one or two things and do those things really, really well. You should also make a list of what's left, like your to-do list, and prioritize what you still want to get done. 
I like to call this decide to do it, delegate it, or just delete it. Give it to your spouse or partner or your parents. I mean, guys, usually a lot of times your parents just want to help you. So give them something to do because they usually like being involved and they just want to be helpful. This is also when you want to be finalizing your timeline with your venue and your vendors, as well as putting together a list of all of your decor items. So your planner or whoever else is setting them up knows where they're going and if they need to be returned to you or put in the garbage. At this point, you should also make sure you have a wedding day point of contact that's not you or your partner. This is going to be the person, so if the caterer has questions or the venue has questions or um, if you have a planner, you don't need this person, but they're going to be the go-to person for all of these questions that your vendors are going to have that they don't want to bother you with. It's really going to make you able to enjoy your wedding day so much more because you know that this person has it and you can just drink your champagne, rock out with your girls or your, your, you know, your guys or your mixed group or whoever. And just have fun. You can just really be in the moment and have fun because you know that this person has everything taken care of. It's also helpful if this person is not in the wedding party because then they're not going to be going back and forth between all your photos. You want someone that likes to take charge, is organized, and doesn't cripple under pressure, and can make quick decisions. These are all really – you want to set them up for success. So you want to choose someone wisely. Someone that's indecisive or inexperienced at giving direction is not a good fit. So however helpful this, you know, your aunt wants to be, if they're not good at those things, don't make her be that person. So in summary, that is basically my planning timeline in a nutshell. To recap, here are all of the steps again. I'll also include them in the show notes which you will be able to find in your podcast player and will be on my website at verventco.com backslash 11, along with helpful links I mentioned in today's podcast. So step one, set a budget. Step two, discuss your guest list. Step three, choose a wedding style. Step four, hire or talk to wedding planners. Step five, choose your venue or venues. Step six, put together your wedding day of timeline. Step seven, pick your vendors. Eight, talk through your ceremony. Nine, send out invitations and start seating. And step 10, get ready and last minute preparations. I tried to keep this episode simple, but each step could really be its own episode or even multiple episodes. But I hope it was helpful for you and helped you start to think about your wedding planning to-do list. If you want more help, I highly urge you to check out those links that I mentioned today. They'll be in the show notes. I Also strongly recommend getting on the wait list for my wedding master planner, which will be available again in late February to people on the wait list. The wedding master planner gives you a step-by-step playbook to plan your wedding from start to finish. Literally, it's instead of piecemealing all the info that you're getting from the NAW and from forums and from Facebook groups and all my blog posts and my podcasts, you can just take this roadmap that I've put together for you and follow it step-by-step. It is literally the definitive guide where I've taken all of my knowledge and put into one place that's organized in a step-by-step format. You can get on the wait list for the Wedding Master Planner at verveventcode.com backslash master planner, one word, no spaces. And if you have questions and want to know more about the Wedding Master Planner, you can visit masterplanner.verveventco.com. And as always, guys, if you have questions about your planning, feel free to DM me on Instagram at 
Verve Event Co. I love talking to you guys. I respond to everybody. It's me. Also, I would love to hear what you think of this episode or if you have questions. I won't know unless you guys tell me. So send me a DM um, so we can chat. And if you're not following me already, I would love to hear from you. So follow me and we can continue the conversation. And please don't forget to leave a review for the podcast if you liked this episode. Reviews are so helpful to us podcasters because it helps other listeners find the show. That's all for today's episode. Episode 12 will be another Wedding Tip Wednesday about booking your wedding venues. So I will talk to you guys soon. Have a good week. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 